just kind of wanting to do something impactful. And I think you have that voice in this community. Um, people look up to you, they can relate to you. Um, and just with everything going on, I just wanted to talk to you, just touch on some things and hopefully make a difference for as yeah. much as we can. Um, so just kind of just, I'm a white guy, a white young man. Just uh, what questions do you think I should be coming in here asking? Just uh, just initially. Yeah, you know it's it's um, it's such a complex issue, right? It, it's not a simple issue, and and anyone that wants to argue that it is, they're just in denial. Okay, it's a very sensitive issue. Uh, it has multiple layers. Uh, it has different levels, and and the truth of the matter is. Um, it, 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 it has gotten to the point to where it's now, in my personal opinion, again, this is race is a, a, a personal opinion because because not everyone has dealt with the same, whether it be uh, uh, education on the subject or life experiences on the subject. But in my opinion, uh, it's just gotten to a bottom line stance. And the bottom line is when you need swift big change, then you have to have the powers to be to do that. And, um, you know, I, I think in terms of someone and, and your position, again, with the different layers, like personally, one-on-one, -on -one, there's a, that's a lot, that's a lot different line of questioning than what you would do when we're trying to speak to the masses. That's, that's how complex the, the situation is. And so, uh, in, in this type of setting, if we're speaking to the masses, then uh, I, I think I think what you have to understand is that race is America's oldest rivalry. Like we can we can ignore that if we want to, but but in all reality, even if you look in the Bible, there were types of people who didn't like other people, and 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 that that that's essentially what 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 racism is is, is not liking someone, uh, whether it be for their color or or their their race, their gender, whatever the case may be. Okay. Now in my, in my personal opinion, when you talk about race, it, it, you, you got to have an open mind. Okay. You, you can't look at it through one set of eyes because it's, it's so different. It's so different. And, and, and I think one of the, the, the biggest mistakes uh, that, 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 that happens when discussing race is that most people have a lack of empathy for the people who have a feeling of sorrow. And, and you know, you, you, you can't, I can't judge you on what makes you sad, okay? When you look at a coach, for example, a guy like myself, I personally have never dealt with anxiety or depression. Well, if I look at a person that that is dealing with that, I can't lack empathy because I've never dealt with that. You're, I mean, it's 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 real life for them. And so if I'm going to approach them with a lack of empathy, I'm I'm, I'm not going to help them in any way, shape, form or fashion. And, and I think the same can be said about a lot of different subjects, in particular race, uh, because, like I said, we, we can't deny the impact of race on American history. And I'm not just saying this uh, from something that I've heard. 
I mean, I've, I've, I've looked into race, be, being a politics and government major uh, back in, obviously, we, we've all heard of slavery and things of that nature. And, um, but, but even when you, you, you work into uh, civil rights and segregation, uh, the, the, the capabilities to, to, to vote for an African-American, that was a political strategy more so than a feeling sorry for uh, that. That's just the facts of the matter. And so um, I, I think what has really happened is over the course of time, um, things have just grown up, you know, it's just really grown up. So to answer your first question and what questions should you be asking uh, in a, in a, in a grand scheme of things, it's what, what, what's the root of the problem? Like, like, like what's, how can we, how can we fix this the fastest way that, you know, this, this thing of what I call in my own personal opinion, again, systematic racism, it deals with everything. And I, I think the, the part of the uh, criminal justice system in which a lot of people are upset with is, is understandable for the simple fact that death cuts us all really deep. It, it doesn't matter who you are. When, 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 death, when death knocks at that door, there's no other feeling on earth that cuts you that deep. And so you, you see why the emotions are all over the place. And that's just because death cuts you deep. And, 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 and you know, it, but it's so much bigger than the criminal justice system. But that is uh, what's out in front of people who really don't have an interest in the subject. And so that's what they see. And then if you don't really dive in deeper, that's what you base all of your emotions on. And, and again, someone who doesn't choose to do that, they have to be empathetic to a person that does because maybe they only have the resources to see race through the criminal justice system. Uh, but obviously I think there's a lot more to it. And, and that's why I use the terminology of systematic racism. Cause I'm not just talking about criminal justice. I'm talking about education. I'm talking about housing. I'm talking about, uh, employment, uh, you know, um, it, it, there, there's a system that whether or not you would want to agree with this or not, in which our constitution was formed when the African-American was not a citizen. That's just the truth. Okay. And, and it, 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 you know, I think one of the biggest issues that uh, on a more grassroots level that, that, that race causes in, in terms of one-on-one is people take this thing of race personal, meaning uh, it could be a feel of guilt well, there's no one in the world today who should feel guilty of slavery. There's no person, no matter what your color is, that you are responsible for slavery. And so I think the, the decision becomes, are you going to be an individual who wants to take responsibility to make things better, to change things? And if you're not going to be a person that takes that responsibility, it's probably best to sit this one out. Because again, it's America's oldest rivalry. It's just, it's just, it's deep. It's really deep. And 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 you can't tell an individual how to feel about something of this magnitude. It is by far and away the biggest subject in our country. And it has been 
for a long time. And that is never going to change. Okay. Because again, when you look at, when you look at most Americans, you, you either feel empowered or powerless. And a lot of that comes by the representation of Congress, to be quite honest. And that's what I mean when I say rich, powerful, non-blacks is when you look at Congress. I'm not talking about on a grassroots level. For example, my relationship with a donor in town that uh, has a good sum of money, that has a, a pretty good influence on things that happen locally and is not black has absolutely zero to do with the grand scheme of systematic racism. It just doesn't. Whether 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 myself and that donor gets along with each other or not, it really doesn't have a uh, impact on the grand scheme of systematic racism. And so it's 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 this race, it's it's the granddaddy of them all in terms of American issues. So 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 the granddaddy of them all, you you've got to bring out your best. And, and you got to bring out your most powerful. You've got to bring out your riches, your CEOs of Facebook, Pfizer, uh, Walmart, um, whatever the case may be. Those people have to say, we want to use our level of influence on, on the decision makers, representatives of the House, uh, uh, senators. But those are the people that, that can make this type of change in the speed in which it needs to be made, okay? If JQH Arena was burning down, you and I would be like a water hose to put the fire out, okay? If race, in my opinion, is the biggest uh, 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 subject in our country, which I, I truly believe it is, then then the magnitude of the fire right now deserves the biggest fire trucks that, that we have. And, 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 and I, you know, I have a lot of respect for you and I hope you have for me. We're just not America's biggest fire trucks. Okay. We're, we're just, you know, water, water, water hoses. And, and you just can't, you can't attack it like that. And so, you know, my, my first initial tweet was the fact that I personally think talk is cheap. And, and, and here's what I mean by that. There, there are different parts to that, to that tweet. Number one, number one, talk is cheap. And so, you, you can't, you, in my opinion, as a coach, you can't come out with a statement. All those statements that were coming out, because to be honest, I, I, I struggled with a statement because, you know, I just tell the truth. I, I don't come out with baloney. And so I, I disregarded the statement. And, and, and so um, I just said talk is cheap because as a coach, you can't, and again, death cuts us deep, and that's what happened. You, you yeah. have to be uh, an animal to think what happened to uh, George Floyd was okay. Okay, so now death cuts us deep, but it's also the opportunity where it's easy to show empathy. Okay, now here's what's hard, and here's why I say talk is cheap. If you are a college basketball coach or a football coach at a level in which your student athletes generate millions of dollars for the institution and you did not make a statement or have not made a statement that they deserve a, a bigger cut of that money, then that's also part of systematic racism in my personal opinion. Because what you're saying is it's okay that you and your family have nothing, 
but you and your talents and, 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 and your ability to go out and perform will make me and my family millions. So if you're not, if you're not willing to make a statement on that, then you can't wait till the volcano erupts in which someone loses their life. And so that's why I think talk is cheap. And, and then on the, on the, on the backside of that, the fact that, um, mentally, and this is the mistake that I think the powers to be make mentally, whether it is physically or whether it is 100% honestly, mentally, the, the, the mindset and the feeling of some people in our country is that they are still fighting battles from 1960s. And so I just think from a mental standpoint, we, we as a country, the powers to be have not done a good job of getting the, getting the narrative changed, whether we want to believe it or not, perception is reality. And so at the end of the day, it, it takes whether you're going to make an example, out of someone to prove that we are not still there mentally. Now, a guy like myself, I have some, some some level of intellect. I have resources. I can have conversations with a lot of different people where I can have a personal understanding that we have come a long way since 1965. But everyone's not allowed to have that. Everyone is not being given that opportunity. And if you want to sit there with a single mind and say that everyone has access to that, then you're just in total denial. And so, you know, my, my tweet is that uh, we, we have not, from a leadership standpoint, changed the mindset of America, and especially the African-American community. And how you do that is you do not allow uh, uh, two, uh, uh, two citizens to... To, to wait on a young man to jog into them and shoot him and allow them to go back to their homes and only arrest them when the whole country can see it. You're not changing our mindset. And, and so as a leader, what you have to understand is that media plays a part. So, so it, it, you have to, it, part of your strategic plan is you have to be able to uh, uh, get the media to portray what you want perception to me because perception is reality uh and and i try to put things as 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 simple and basic as possible it, it's like if you look at our team last year you would think we had a 500 team well if you don't look at uh, who we played then you might think we're just another 500 team in which we could have switched out three or four games and been a better team well well, if you don't have that resource, that knowledge, that intellect to, to, to have that conversation on the inside level, then you're only going to believe what it is that you see. And that's OK, because that's a majority of America. And that's why perception is reality. And that's no different than race. And so the perception right now, whether whether um, people who aren't directly affected by this or not like it, the perception is we have not made a mental progression since the 1960s. And, you know, another thing, and when I say uh, the powers to be the, the rich and powerful, you know, we still have senators who will refuse to vote on an anti-lynching bill be, because of a few words. Well, well, the impact of putting that out could help the masses and, 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 and making that unanimous. And we all know that 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 you can't uh, uh, lynch someone today, 
uh, illegally and 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 be and 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 get away with murder. But 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 just the fact that you care about the mental state will allow for you to make certain decisions that you may not even agree with wholeheartedly. And and you know you look at a coach like myself. I, I've never dealt with uh, a mental illness in terms of seeking help for it, but I'm not going to uh, uh, pr- promote an atmosphere where I do not want my players to go see a team psychologist. It, it's just you have to have some level of empathy or else things don't change. And um, it, it's, it, it becomes frustrating to the common person because all they know is what they've been told. And so – if, if you don't deal with different races or have the privilege to deal with different races and colors and backgrounds every day like a coach would, then you probably wouldn't understand that. And so uh, that's probably the longest answer I've ever had for a question. But, again, it, it, it is very deep and there's a lot of levels. And, and, and But the main thing is you have to approach racism, race in general, in a systematic way. Because that's the root of the problem. The problem is not whether or not you and I, the son of a police chief and and the the son of a mother who was given up at birth because her dad was black and her mom was white and her mom's family didn't see fit. Our relationship in the grand scheme of things, they don't make race better. They don't make race worse. It's the total mindset of our country that has yet to evolve due to people in power not wanting to lose that power. And again, if you don't if you don't study it and understand the reasoning behind, uh, uh, for example, s- slavery started as a as a means of labor to not pay for. It. Okay, so 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 think about this: um, people were purchased. And and, 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 and and obviously brought to America to do work in which they had to to pay to stay there. So so their work was their pay. So essentially, what you're getting uh, is someone to do work for free. Same thing I'm saying with a college athlete, right? Yeah. So essentially, I go out and I recruit you and I bring you here and you do work. And, and your way of keeping your scholarship is to work hard without me paying you. That's why... A college coach, if he's not going to be on the side of paying players, he can't be on the side of helping systematic racism as well. So, so uh, again, that all started as a as a capital decision, okay? And then when you think about uh, things, uh, uh, the abolishment of slavery, okay? So, so now you're starting to think about uh, uh, you're getting to the Jim Crow part of of, of Black history or, or African American history. And in and, and which, um, you know, at the time uh, they were free from they were free from slavery, maybe from a physical standpoint and a purchasing standpoint. But the mind is what was captured. And so uh, it, it was all a, a way in trying to pacify this baby of slavery, in my opinion. And so as you continue to modernize with time. You go from Jim Crow to segregation. And, and, and here is one of the most disappointing parts of, of where our country stands right now to me. My grandmother raised me, and I believe she was born in 1936, I believe. And, um, you know, 
it, it's amazing to me that um, someone that close to me was involved in segregation, but now that we are not in the 1960s, that we should have just forgot about segregation. Like, like you can't expect people to forget about what their loved ones endure. And, and that's where the empathy has to come in because that affects everyone differently. And it, it's, it's, it's not a situation as to where physically we're segregated, but from a mental standpoint, one could still be segregated. And, and just the bitterness and just the, uh, the darkness that comes with something, the magnitude of slavery and race and Jim Crow and segregation. You know, it's like this. If, if I was to beat you 15 straight days, I could not expect you on day 30 to forget that I spent 15 straight days just beating you. And I can't get frustrated with you that even on day 115 that you have not gotten over the 15 straight days. So, so it has to be some level of empathy or it has to be a situation as to where you sit this one out. Because when you don't sit it out, all you do is continue to frustrate the ones who feel like they're oppressed. And again, that's all systematic. That's all the grand scheme of things. And so uh, until that understanding is universal, uh, we're, we're going to have issues. And, and that's why I think talk is cheap. It's 2020. We're still saying the same things as 1965. Um, you know, not not to be a historian, but the other night I listened to a State of the Union from from Lyndon B. Johnson, who I don't I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say <laughs> he was a, a huge fan of African-Americans, but he was the president at the time. And the speech that he used in 1965 could be a speech that's used today. And so to me, talk is cheap. Uh, we have to get the lawmakers to change laws. We have to get the people that can make examples out of people, make examples out of them. And then that will give you an opportunity to, to change the mindset. It's not about the physical change. You got to change the mindset. You got to change perception. And then we can start to work on a more grassroots level. Yeah. Um, just, uh, I, I, I don't know what what I'm, the kind of racism that you might have experienced through your life, and uh, just uh, you have adorable kids, and you have a and you have a you have a son that's about to be a senior in uh, in high school, and is going to be going to college here soon, and going out in the world on as on his own here soon. Just uh, uh, just kind of thoughts there. Um, sorry, I think I lost you here. Let me see. Okay. Um. So, so, so let, let, me, let, me, let me begin that answer by saying this. It's like anything. I, I think you have to have your own definition of what something is to you. And I, I, I would say that, that, that the word racism and racist, I, I do think that they are thrown in a very light manner at times. And, for example, um, I, I have been racially profiled since I've been the head coach here, but I've never been shown a direct uh, 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 emotion of racism directed right towards me. And so it's like if, if you get pulled over and you get a DUI, that doesn't make you an alcoholic. It just means that you did something that a alcoholic 
probably has a high chance of doing. And so, so being a racist is, that is a very, I mean, you have to try to do that. I mean, you have to deliberately try to do that in terms of on a consistent basis, show those actions. Now, now racial profiling, um, you know, I, I, I definitely have some experiences of that here and, and, and not just since I've been here, but my entire life. And so my first introduction to actual racism was finding out that my own mother was given up at birth because her father was black. And the reason why is because her mom's parents did not did not want her to be a part of their family. That that's racist. OK, now um, in terms of. Uh, being racially profiled, uh, you know, yes, I've been pulled over. I've been pulled over since I've been the coach here outside of city limits. Uh, in fact, I was pulled over one time in Creighton, Missouri, in which no reason was given except for it was about 8.39 a.m. in the morning on a Sunday. I was headed to a Kansas City Chiefs game, and um, I drove right by an officer and made contact, and, and I was pulled over, and my name was ran and, and, and nothing came of it. Um, but, but again, uh, you know, I don't know that individual enough on a daily basis to say that he is a racist, but I will say that he racially profiled me that day. And if I get pulled over at nine o'clock in the morning and not given a reason for, I can only assume that it was because I did not look like someone who should be driving in that area at that time. And so I think a, a big gap of the conversation sometimes leads for one to assume. And then when we have to assume, you have to go by your own uh, personal instincts. And so, but we, 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 my wife and I, we try to educate our family on the truth. Okay. Um, you know, uh, what, another reason why I hesitated and, and having a statement was um, literally just two weeks ago, my seven-year-old son, every night almost, my seven-year-old son and my five-year-old daughter, they play superhero. And they pick a different superhero. Well, about two two weeks ago, I overheard him playing superhero, and my son said, tonight I'm going to be a police officer. So in his eyes, a police officer is a superhero. Super, uh, well, well, I don't, I don't want to change that. I don't want to change that, but at the same time, I have to educate him on the country in which he lives, on how things were, were built, because we've yet to reform them. And, and when you reform something, you don't have to change all of it. But again, from a mental standpoint, you need to get the majority to believe that things are better. Uh, you look at the uh, protest tonight, uh, today, and it's, I mean, it's all different types of people. It's it, 1965. You look at the protests, it's all black. Well, well today it's, it's, it's a little bit of everybody and it's everywhere. And so, um, we, we, he still has to understand, uh, that it is great to have a personal opinion that a police officer is a superhero, but you also have to understand that there are some police officers that are not superheroes. Okay. And you know, our goal as parents, our dream as parents, is for him to also say his teacher is a superhero or his, his children's pastor is a superhero, okay? 
But the, the truth of the matter is you still have to educate him that there may be a teacher who, who, who is not a superhero. And so there are conversations that we have to have. Uh, our oldest son uh, just recently received his driver's license. And so there are, there are conversations we have to have with him in, in regards to how to conduct himself whenever he is pulled over by a, a officer. And, you know, you give the officer the same amount of respect that you give your parent. But what you have to realize is that that officer is 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 not uh, your parent, meaning uh, he, he doesn't love you the way we love you. And that there is a possibility that he could be disrespectful to you. And that might cut you. Right. That might cut you deep in your core and make you feel a certain way. But you still must respect authority in the sense that when you are there on the spot, that is not the time nor the place to get what you feel is due to you. And that is a hard lesson. And, and whether uh, one wants to admit it or not, that is a lesson that is way more prevalent in the African-American community. And, and, and the reason being for that is there is a history there. That's what you can never forget is that slavery, Jim Crow, segregation is a part of the history that, again, the way it feels to maybe his mom or his grandmother may not be the way that it feels to you and yours or that officer and his. And so um, it, it's just a lot of levels to everything. But at the same time, you have to use wisdom. Timing is everything, and that's not the time to do that. But, again, we don't, we're not narrow-minded in our household to just look at the criminal justice system. So it gives our children a little bit better uh, grand scheme of things, but everyone's not Dana Ford and his family either. Because fortunately for me, I had a white head coach in high school who took me in and saved my life. Because if it was up to the African-American males in my life, their feelings toward their history could not allow for them to invest in me the type of way my coach, who was white, doesn't have that history, decided to do. Now, he did that because I was good at basketball. So there was some type of investment for return. And quite frankly, that's the American way. That's, that's what America was built for. America wasn't built to be a social, equal country. We just weren't built for that. There's no way you can be built for that. And the introduction to your country for African-Americans is to be slaves. We were built for capital. And so uh, some of us are fortunate enough to get to that side of America. But when you get there, or if you are already there, you can't be empathetic to the ones that don't have that outlook. And, and that's, again, responsibility as opposed to guilt. It's no one's fault that some of the oppressed are oppressed, okay? But there is responsibility, all right? that That's how I view that. Uh, we did pass the 30 minutes. You still have a little time for questions. I got a little, as much time as you want. I mean, I... We can't. They got us on lockdown. Division one. We're on lockdown. We can't do anything. Yeah. Um, just uh, um, 
You did have another tweet. Uh, you tweeted out the uh, just uh, the some of the rioting stuff, uh, the rioting and the violence. Uh, it's going on in Bloomington, normal, uh, my hometown, your college town. Uh, just kind of what's the thoughts when you see just some of that going on at the moment? Well, that's very disappointing. I mean, and 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 that is something that is is inexcusable as well. Uh, I, I believe I tweeted uh, uh, something about the the officers yeah. who were trying to stop the looting that, that ended up losing their lives. And, and, and no one has the right to try to uh, uh, make a wrong a right by doing more wrong. I mean, that, 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 that is, uh, that, again, two wrongs don't make a right. Uh, and, and, and I think a lot of the individuals that do that, they, they have passion but it's 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 in the wrong. It's being it's being navigated down the wrong road. And not only that, but but you have people that uh, like to take advantage of of other people's uh, sacrifice. And so you know it's it's very disturbing. It's very frustrating, and it is something that will continue to move things at a snail's pace because what it does is it takes the attention off of the underlying issue of what's trying to get changed. And at the same time, it shows that uh, the reason why maybe some of the powers to be don't want to change it as fast as they can is because, um, quite frankly, um, they're upset that people will still do those things. And, and, and um, those things have no place in our country uh, as well as, uh, taking an innocent man's life has no place in our country. And so uh, that those things are very disturbing, and um, it, it, it has absolutely zero, it, it makes zero sense, and it should not be tolerated at all. And um, th- those people, um, you know, God, God bless their soul too, because they're, they're, they're as wrong as any other person that's wrong, and um, it's very disappointing. And there's no excuse for it. And, and, and quite frankly, um, you know, I'm not a business owner, but I like to look at our program as a business. If someone came by here and looted our locker room, um, I would not be happy with that individual. And um, uh, under any circumstances, would I be happy? Um, but at the same time, you know, it's such madness right now that um, – it's all just one big melting pot. You you grew up in Tams. Um, you grew up in humble beginnings in a uh, in a trailer home. Uh, people look at you now and they're like, "Oh, he's a he's a basketball coach. He's making plenty of money." Just the just the way you grew up there. Uh, just fight. You, you seem like you fought you or you fought for everything you earned and to be able to get to this point where you are right now. Yeah, you, you know, I've, I've been I've been privileged in the sense of I had a grandmother who understood her race, she understood her country, and she educated me on many different levels. And um, she was always honest with me. And one of the things that she would always say is you have to decide what you want out of out of America. You, you, you do. You have to make that decision. And unless you are talented enough to change the rules, connected enough to change the rules, then in order to get what you need or in order to get what you want from America, 
you you have to you have to be able to understand what it takes to get it and, and be willing enough to do that. Now, I grew up. I say privileged because uh, it has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with intellect, insight, intelligence, and 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 honestly, and and honesty. Sorry. So um, I am in the minority of the minorities. If that makes any sense, meaning I had a tool that could attract a non-black, my high school coach with resources to help me. And then what he what he taught me was education, get your education. And fortunate enough for me, I could play basketball and get my education for free. That way I did not have to take out loans or, or, or things of that nature to uh, you know suppress me even further uh, while trying to you know make it in America meaning you know we, we we pay to go to school to get a job to repay the school I mean it's again America is built on capital and so any opportunity that America sees to make capital they're going to do that um, but fortunately for me, I've always been a listener before I was a talker. And so I've been able to listen to all different types of people and understand where a lot of people come from. And I think a lot of that has to do with being from a small town in which there wasn't a lot going on. My walk to school, I could have walked to school and never been approached by anybody, right? There's some kids that grow up in places where they can they they can't walk to school. I mean, they're going to walk by a drug deal, a, a, a prostitution corner, and maybe a racial profiling situation. And so, uh, I, again, I'm I'm in the minority of the minorities, but but at the same time, there are still some things that that I deal with. But fortunately for me, I have the the the, the intelligence to deal with them in a way in which. Um, I believe progress can be made. And, and um, I've just been fortunate enough to be taught that at a young age. I was fortunate enough to marry someone that also believes that and has been taught that. But again, everyone doesn't have that opportunity. Okay? It's the same thing with my children. Everyone doesn't have the same opportunity that my children are going to have. But, but our hope and prayer as parents is that they're empathetic enough to, to one or two things, help someone that needs help or just be quiet if you're not going to help them. Are you scared for your kids growing up? Me personally, I am not scared for my kids growing up in America. I am not scared for my kids. I do not live in fear, okay? Uh, I am afraid for the system of young African-American kids because the system has yet to reform. You know, you can't you can't make you can't have a, a, a huge portion of your criminal justice system uh, uh, that was made during the Jim Crow laws still still in effect today. And, you know, when, when, when you think about statistics, see, when you raise kids, statistics, you can throw them out the window because it's all about filling. OK, so, for example, if if one in 100 black kids get beat up by the police, OK, well, if that one is your one kid, 
then you feel a whole different type of way about that statistic. Well, if you're if your one is of the 99, you're not going to feel the same way. And so what I what I what I'm saying there is you you have to take a broader look at the entire situation. And for me personally, I'm not afraid for my own personal kids because my kids have a situation in which they can be in uh, certain environments on a consistent basis that may keep them from that. But that does not 100 percent expel them from from a from an episode that could be life changing. But my empathy goes out to the system, the kids that are fighting this battle every single day. And that is the issue. Anytime you have a a uh, a study that's done by whether it be uh, Harvard or Virginia, in which there is any town in America where possibly the uh, population of African Americans that make up the census is less than ten percent, but the amount of people pulled over on a percentage is over seventy five percent, then you you have to try to do that. You know, you can't accidentally do that, and and so. When you start looking at things like that and, and you start thinking about a kid that's growing up in the inner city of Detroit, OK, he's going to have a different battle than a kid that's growing up um, on a golf course in, 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 in rural Missouri. And um, again, you know, that that's who my heart goes out to. And, and that's why I feel like the powers to be have got to do something about the, 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 the mindset of our entire system for us to be able to, 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 to give the narrative that a, 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 a portion of our criminal justice system was built around Jim Crow, that, that right there, that keeps you oppressed in itself. We should not be able to say that, but the only people that can change that are the powerful rich. And, 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 and when I look at it, the non-African Americans, because here's the deal. If African-Americans could change it, we would have changed it 400 years ago. It's the same when we deal with domestic violence, my wife and I. It's not a, it's not a woman problem because eight out of ten cases, I believe, are men beating women. It's not a, uh, uh, an abuser's problem because the abuser is the reason of the problem. The problem is the good men, the seven out of ten that don't abuse women, that stand and watch. So you can either have empathy to try to do something or you should just sit that one out. And so I'm not guilty. I don't feel guilty when we get a battered woman into our shelter, into our, 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 our home. But I feel responsible for hopefully not uh, ever that happening to her ever again. And, and that's the same way on race, except for let's be honest, race is the biggest. It's the oldest rivalry you got. So it's the biggest it's the biggest problem out there, and the way we've dealt with it is denial and, de and, and deception. And unfortunately, uh, I think America as a whole um, has just, quite frankly, gotten gotten tired of it. And um, a guy like myself, I was tired of it at a young age, but uh, now I think the masses have, have gotten tired of it. You tweeted out hashtag Black Lives Matter. 
Um, there's so many people out there that just want to turn it into hashtag all lives matter and just make that argument. Uh, that's not what you, that's not what, <laughs> that's not what it's about. Uh, the, the all lives matter is not what it's about. Just what, what, uh, just a message and kind of an exp- explanation to those who don't understand. Well, I think first as a Christian, I don't have any problems tweeting black lives matter. And that, that's, that's just me as a Christian. And I, and again, from a mental standpoint in our country, from a systematic mental standpoint in which that's how I view race, because I don't view it on a one-on-one basis because that doesn't tell the story, okay? A systematic mental view, I feel like the message that Black Lives Matter should be spread. Now, on a systematic view of all lives in America, I don't feel like that needs to be spread because I don't think all lives in America have an issue. And so that would be different if we were, uh, if we had the history of being imprisoned to other countries for 400 years. Well, then that would change my, my systematic view on all lives. And so, again, being a Christian, I have no problems tweeting out a certain group of individuals matter. The same way uh, when I go speak at a Coaches vs. Cancer uh, event, and they asked me to have a few words. I don't get up and say, my grandmother had diabetes. Diabetes matters too. And so it's just a time and a place for everything. And, uh, you know, it's one of those situations to where uh, I hope that people believe all lives matter. I really hope that they do. I don't hope that they don't think that. But at this time and place, um, I feel like uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong of me being a Christian standing up and saying, that black lives matter. And um, if, if that, if me saying that rubs anyone the wrong way, um, I have to introduce them to Jesus. I have to, I have to, I mean, they have to know who he is. I mean, they have to, because if you know Jesus, then you have no problem saying uh, black lives matter. I saw you on Twitter uh, just responding to some people, just telling them, Hey, I, I understand you have that viewpoint. Uh, I'm uh, uh, thank you for sharing. Just why why'd you find that important? Because race is too complex of a situation to be single-minded about. I mean, just because I think the lawmakers in Congress are the, are the ones responsible, that may not be the same perception that someone has that has no interest in understanding what the lawmakers actually do. They may only understand it on a grassroots basis. And, and, and the grassroots part of it is important as well, but my perception of race is it's America's oldest rivalry. It's the biggest monster out there, and it's on fire. And I just feel like uh, uh, we need our best, the granddaddy of them all, we need our best to, to, to take a step forward. And everyone doesn't have that view because everyone doesn't have the same education on it, and everyone doesn't have the same experience on it. And, and, and you have to be able to respect that. You, you have to be able to respect that. Again, um, my son thinks uh, police officers are su- superheroes, and that's okay. But, but there are kids in the middle of Chicago that the last thing on their mind when they see a police officer is a superhero. And, 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 and we have to do a better job of, of changing that. We, we, we simply do. And, again, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And, um, again, my views are systematic mindsets, systematic mindsets. And if you are allowed to 
build your criminal justice system or your education system or your housing system around uh, uh, the time in which African-Americans were not citizens, then that's the message that is being generated and the mindset that's being generated. And it's a true, it's true. We're not making that up. And so then that individual has to deal with that on a mental standpoint, however he or she sees fit. But if you have the power to change the mindset, that, that's what you have to do, in my opinion. Or you're going to keep, we're going to keep protesting. You coached at uh, HBCU, just uh, the lessons you learned, uh, just being there, just around other, uh, at a historically black college. You know, it was an eye-opener. It was my very first experience when I went there to be an assistant coach. I, I Growing up in small Tams, Illinois, um, you know, our, our, our police officer, we only had one cop. He sat at home until you called him. He owned the local barbecue shop. He, he made you sandwiches on Saturday. I mean, so my view of, of police officers growing up was a lot different than most. Um, and so... Uh, going to a predominantly white institution at Illinois State and seeing the amount of resources that we had, uh, that, that, was, that was different than, than all of my views when I was at Tennessee State in the inner city of Nashville at a HBCU. And um, you could see the pain on faces. You can just feel the, 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 the atmosphere was different. And, and, and what, it, what, it, what, it, what it opened my eyes to was the history part that I had neglected all the way up until then Be, because it, it, it wasn't a situation to where that history was staring me in the face every day. When you coach at a historically black college and university, the history of slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, criminalization is staring you in the face every day. So you have to be able to uh, uh, intelligently deal with that. And again, it, it's not a guilt. It's no one's fault, okay? But I do think that people should feel way more responsible in fixing that. And uh, you can see the lack of resources at that level. Uh, you can see the lack of uh, just the lack of pure joy is, is, is what uh, initially I, 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 I thought was the difference. Um, but again, uh, it's one of those situations to where that's part of American history and, and, and that has to be accepted, but made the future, make the future better, you know, make the future better. And, um, again, but, but there are a lot of scars when you start talking about, blackness in a historical standpoint and you have to be empathetic of that and if you're not going to be empathetic of that that's okay but don't be gruesome towards that that you know it, it's amazing to me the only thing on social media that i'm just astound by is the reaction to someone who is showing empathy for someone that they feel, in their opinion, have been oppressed. For example, if you are upset at your friend who is upset that George Floyd's life ended in that manner, you, you, 
I need to introduce you to Jesus. I need to introduce you to Jesus because now you're talking two people removed. Not only are you not upset about what happened, but now you're upset at the person who's actually showing empathy for that. And, and I see that sometimes, and, and I just can't. I just can't believe that. I mean, it's just it's eye opening. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it would be equivalent to. Um, <laughs> you know, I try to put everything in, in the in the sense of a, of a, of something that we all can relate to. But um, if if uh, if one of my players is struggling shooting, and uh, one of my assistant coaches goes to help him with his shot, me getting mad at the assistant coach because he's going to help him with it. I mean, it just it's like, wow, you're not even upset about the what actually is happening. You're upset about the person that's trying to show some empathy. So. It's just a lot, man. It's just a lot. Have you looked through hashtag black at most state? I have. I have looked through that. And and those stories are disturbing. Um, and um, me not being on the campus every day, I have been oblivious to to those. And 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 I, I apologize to anyone who's dealt with that. And uh, if I can never be of any assistance to anyone, they, they need to come and find me in, in the arena uh, down here in the basement. But uh, that that is that is that is very that is a very discouraging hashtag, and um, um, that that has to be that has to be fixed. And and that starts with the, the leaders on this campus, and, and I'm one of them. And uh, me being oblivious to those stories. Uh, in itself is uh, unacceptable, and, and I'm a part of the reason why that that hashtag has even been able to uh, be uh, 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 created over the last two years. But uh, uh, I, I'm gonna do my part in, in helping uh, helping helping that hashtag go away. Um, just players, uh, what have you been able to talk to them about in recent days, if, if Zoom calls or whatnot? You know, we, we have not elected to do a whole team Zoom call on this matter. It's been some individual conversations. Again, everybody's everybody's view on this is different. We, we have some kids who are uh, on vacation with families, and, and I don't want to uh, uh, intervene on that. Uh, we, we have some kids uh, that I've reached out to individually, that have reached out to me individually. And we've communicated about it, um, but but you know that's something else. I think uh, the, the the powers to be and and the common citizen has to understand. Uh, Generation Z, they're not dealing with this. They're just not. And and all the guys I coach are Generation Z, and um, you know one of our guys who who who's not an African American has 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 been disturbed by this. Uh, uh, more than, than than anyone, and uh, I just think that that does show that there has been some progress made, uh, especially in certain homes, but not on a grand scheme of things because the marches are still the same thing. But um, Generation Z, they're not going to sit back and watch people be abused. Like like when my mom explained to me uh, that that she was given up an adoption. Because her biological father was black, I mean, excuse me, she was given up for adoption.
because her biological father was black, I asked her why, and she said, that's just the way it is. Well, 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 when I say that to my 16-year-old now, Generation Z, that doesn't get it. And, and that's, where, that's where our country is turning, in which uh, statistically, uh, Generation Z, they're more of them than any other generation combined in America. So you can take all of our generations that are left, and we're still outnumbered by Generation Z. And so things are going to change. Um, and, 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 and quite frankly, you know, some of the guys that we're coaching right now are, are going to make that change. Um, yeah, just who are some of the leaders, the voices that you just kind of look up to throughout, throughout this? Who are you educating yourself through and just uh, listening to? Well, I think in, 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 in a level of leadership that, that, that I have, being a, 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 I guess I'm almost now a middle-aged African-American male, um, you know, I, I listen to guys that are older than, than I am and guys that are younger, uh, as well as I try to uh, watch as much history on this subject as I can so I, I can have an understanding on viewpoint. And, um, but, but, but there, there's, there's, uh, no individual that I think by name that the masses would know, but, but, but I do, um, I do lean on individuals who have lived through certain parts of the African-American history. And, and then I talk to people that, that may be a little bit further away from that time period in which they would be younger than me. And I also talk to uh, guys that are inner city, as well as guys that are, are rural, and just to try to get as much as much information as I can uh, in terms of, of big name leaders, I, I don't I don't have those those type of connections. Um, I just I just talk off my own life experiences and and then the studies. I mean, I I actually look at these things and and, and because I'm I'm interested, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the fact that. Um, you know, there are some states where where 87 percent of the time someone is pulled over, they're an African-American. I'm interested in that. I'm interested in the fact that. In some areas of our country, African-Americans are pulled over four times as much as a non-African-American. And of those. Of those times they're pulled over less than two percent. Is there a citation? I mean, I, I study those type of studies. And so that's kind of how I get my viewpoint on these things. I Because, again, it's different for everyone. If a player was passionate enough to say they want to protest, what would you just kind of tell them? Uh, I don't know if, it, if a protest during a game. I know national anthem is always a hot topic. Uh, just if a player were hoping to maybe march in the uh, uh, rally in the streets right now. Uh, just kind of, what would you advise them? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm, I believe in freedom of speech, and I mean, they can protest. Uh, I don't want anybody looting. Yeah. I don't want anybody looting. That that that's not good. But, but any type of protest, I'm, I, I, I <laughs> you know, I'm a humble individual. I don't feel like I'm so so privileged that I can tell an American how to protest. That's why I thank God I'm. I'm born in America. I mean, you got freedom of speech. And so, 
anybody that tries to tell another person how to protest, I mean, that is, that's just, it's un-American. I mean, it's just un-American. I don't know. Um, I don't, what do you, you know, what do you say? It's freedom of speech. I don't, I mean, the hypocrisy of America is amazing, isn't it? I mean, it really, truly is. And that's why I started with the thing I said about coaches. You know, you, you can't be, you can't be mad about social injustice and police brutality if you're not mad about disparity in wages. You know, these kids are making people, you know, again, man, it's, there's so many layers, but, but I'm not going to tell someone that they can't protest using their freedom of speech. No, I'm not doing that. Um, your fans, they cheer for, they cheer for you. They cheer for your players. Uh, just kind of, what do you advise them to do? What action do you want? Just the everyday individual who is cheering you on in the stands. What do you advise them to do uh, right now? Well, they cheer when you win, right? No, I'm just joking. Uh, (laughs) Um, no, again, I think it goes back to, you, you, you have a decision to make. Uh, you can either, uh, uh, feel, responsible for for making things better by showing empathy or uh you you don't have to feel responsible but 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 if you're going to be uh if you're going to be um non-empathetic on the issue then it's probably best to just you know sit this one out i mean it really is and and um i think the first step if you're going to be one of those people who feel responsible to make it better and show empathy, the first thing you should probably do is listen. And you can't put a time frame on that listen because you don't know the effect of that person's history. You don't know that effect. I mean, you got to think about this. A lot of African-American males that are my age were raised by their grandparents because maybe mom was a teen mom or dad was mass incarcerated. And so they're being raised by people who live through segregation. So I mean, you just have to have a complete understanding of their history. Now, just because they're not physically segregated anymore, they still may be segregated mentally. And as someone who hasn't had to deal with that, you either have to be empathetic and allow them to have their time to heal, or you got to sit it out. You got to sit it out. And um, to me personally, I've always been the type of person that believes if you're not there to help the cause, then just sit it out. Just sit it out. Um, I think that might be all I got for you. Is there anything that we didn't cover that uh, you would like to say? You know, I, I don't. I don't really know if it is or not, um, except for I think what what has to be understood is there are powers to be that play huge roles in Congress. And those powers to be are the biggest, most successful companies in America until those people decide to have empathy for the mental standpoint 
of America when it comes to race, things will change at a snail's pace, or if they decide that they're going to do something about it with the resources and the clout and the power that they have at the national level. So when I'm talking about race, I'm always talking about systematic racism at the national level. Until we want to do that, we'll all continue to move at a snail's pace. Nothing wrong with a snail's pace, but it's it's the same. We're still protesting in 2020. They were protesting in 1965. Yeah. I mean, that is mind-blowing. And, and, and again, it's about the mental part. Mentally, my grandmother never raised me mentally segregated. She never raised me mentally enslaved. But I'm the minority of the minorities. Most minorities are, are enslaved mentally. Mentally. Okay? And so you have to be empathetic or you have to be quiet, in my personal opinion, because ranting and raving, as we call it in Thames, Illinois, that, that's not going to solve anything. And I think if you're in denial that there is a problem in America when it comes to race, then you just have to be quiet. Because, because race is America's biggest, I mean, it's, it's, it's America's biggest rival.